Stuart, Arnie, Jacob, podcasters, reviewers, searching for a film that can be both smart and entertaining. Then the upcoming release of The Avengers alters their movie viewing. And now the podcast hosts watch each and every film based on Marvel Comics' The Incredible Hulk. They're watching all Marvel movies and reviewing each at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Hulk series contains detailed spoilers for the Hulk TV movies and Ang Lee film, as well as mild language and subjects. Listener discretion is advised for the conversation that dwells within. Today we're discussing the death of the Incredible Hulk. Yay! <laughs> Starring Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Elizabeth Grayson, Philip Sterling, and Barbara Tarbuck. Directed by Bill Bixby. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, but you can call me Stinky. Stuart in LA. Hey guys. When you eat carrot cake, do you notice that there's no carrot taste to it? <laughs> I only eat carrot cake if it tastes exactly like a carrot. This is Jacob. <laughs> Are you going to do the first quarter of the movie that way, Jacob? <laughs> yes, flowers for the Hulk instead of Algernon, yes. I'll gradually get smarter and then realize what I'm watching and get stupid again. And we are discussing the last of the made-for-TV movies for the original Incredible Hulk series. And I honestly think I blame Daredevil for this being the last of the series because the Thor one had huge ratings, the Daredevil one had huge ratings. Nobody watched this one. And maybe it was the morose title. I more than likely think the world was like me and they saw the Daredevil one and was like, yep, yeah, I'm done. Well, and we're in a different era, too, where superheroes are back on the big screen in a big way. I mean, Batman was a huge phenomenon. It interested a whole lot of new properties. They wanted to bring Hulk to the big screen. They wanted to do it, okay, I'll go ahead and say it, properly. <laughs> and this just wasn't enough at this point. It kind of put this to shame. Well, it's not like superheroes weren't on the small screen around this time, lest we forget the Flash TV series. Yes, let's forget it. I'm trying real hard. This one went through a lot of iterations, though. They were trying to decide what to do with it. You know, they mentioned with the first one, they were talking about putting Iron Man in. They were thinking this might be the chance to bring back Iron Man. I mean, obviously, with Batman being such a success, bringing in a playboy millionaire with a really cool suit may have made a lot of sense. I shudder to think how he would have looked when that didn't work out. They also talked about She-Hulk. Can either of you guess who they cast to play She-Hulk? Pamela Anderson. <laughs> uh, this was 1990. She would be like 16. Okay, she hadn't quite broke yet. Okay. <laughs> I know that Brigitte Nielsen had been discussed to do a movie version. Brigitte Nielsen was discussed to do this movie version. Oh! There was going to be a spin-off series with She-Hulk, and I kid you not, Google it. They did makeup tests. Oh, fun. Now, they didn't go with the green body paint. Instead, they put her in green lycra with green eyeshadow and green lipstick. 
and that's it. <laughs> oh, fabulous. It's abominable. It's really ridiculous. It's hysterical. Just Google Brigitte Nielsen She-Hulk. And yeah, she was supposed to be in this and get her own spin-off series where she'd get a blood transfusion from her cousin Bruce and be able to carry on the Hulk ways. But for whatever reason, and I'm not able to find out quite why, they just decided that the Hulk should be the only superhero in this one this time. Oh, one of the many creative decisions I'm going to challenge, by the way. I have to agree. I've enjoyed the way the past two movies expanded the universe, more so with Thor than Daredevil. But I have to say, I remember in the 80s when I was tuning into these, being excited to see Hulk with other superheroes and the opportunity to bring in, you know, Bixby had initially wanted to bring in Spider-Man. By 90, Spider-Man was in Wright's Limbo. The Fantastic Four, we know, was off in Corman land, but... To bring in Iron Man, to bring in She-Hulk, some of these other characters, I would have really enjoyed seeing. And in fact, for the longest time, I mentioned this last podcast, I've never seen this before. I knew there was like a spy agency. I thought Silver Sable was in it, but no, it's, it's nobody. Very odd to me that, that there's not a crossover here like the last two. But it definitely seemed like Silver Sable, maybe Black Widow going that route, but... They never call it out as that. I must confess, this is the only one of the TV movies that I've seen any bit of, actually. It's kind of ironic, Arnie. You said you didn't see this one. I actually remember making a point of tuning in. By this point, I was a pretty avid TV watcher, and while I didn't want to watch an entire movie, I thought, yeah, you know, I can be turned on to a gimmick. I wanted to see how they were going to kill off Hulk. And so I actually tuned in to the last five minutes of this movie, which, if there was any suspense at all to this movie, (laughs) it completely spoils it when you know the end. Alright, I will admit, I also tuned into the last five minutes. I knew it! How could you not, Hulk fan? They were going to kill off your favorite childhood creation. You'd have to take a peek. I did, and I watched the last five minutes, which is why I thought the chick in the helicopter was Silver Sable or something, because they've always had the crossover, and I couldn't figure out. Black Widow, Silver Sable, it had to be somebody, right? No, no. Well, we'll get there after an incredibly long, dull time. (laughs) Why don't you tell them everything that I missed prior to the last five minutes? (laughs) David Banner is now working as David Bellamy at the GenCore Labs, pretending to be a mentally challenged janitor. But he's doing this as a ruse for when all the scientists go home for the night David is working in the research facility, improving the work of Dr. Pratt, who is working on a machine that may finally cure David's condition of Hulkism. Yeah, right. (laughs) Hey, it's Death of the Incredible Hulk. That's one way for the Hulk to die is a cure. But Dr. Pratt realizes his work has been changed, and so he sets a stake out to find who's been changing it. And when he realizes it's David the Challenge Janitor, David reveals himself to be David Banner, and the two begin a long collaboration of work to finally cure David's condition. But things are not going well as some nefarious Eastern European spies have decided to steal Pratt's work Before it's done. (laughs) Before it can do anything. (laughs) He must steal the failed results. Keep going. Kasha is the figurehead of the spy network, and he blackmails Yasmin, a undercover operative who can be a real chameleon in every situation, to do this one last job as they have Yasmin's sister hostage. 
So Yasmin agrees and goes undercover, but happens to break into the lab the very night David is about to be cured. Three minutes away from completion, wouldn't you know it. Banner hulks out, a fire breaks out, and Dr. Pratt is put into a coma. (laughs) Those slippery floors, I'm always falling into comas and falling down, it's terrible. (laughs) The data disks Yasmin stole were useless, and so she is ordered to go back and kidnap David. But she revolts, and the two of them run off together and fall in love. With Yasmin's help, Banner is able to revive Dr. Pratt from his coma by telling a story (laughs) about when... (laughs) I can't hold it back anymore. (laughs) All right, I'm not going to say what the story is. I'm sure we'll talk about it. (laughs) But Dr. Pratt awakens... And Yasmin then is shocked to realize that her sister Bella is not, in fact, a hostage, but the head of the spy network. Under the name Vashinko, she has been working a ill-defined jihad, working for the cause, but has really just succumbed to greed. The group kidnap Dr. Pratt and his wife, and while Yasmin and David want to run off together. David feels compelled to stay one last time to help Dr. Pratt. And so he and Yasmin ambush the Eastern Europeans at an airfield. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) She's running down the tarmac. I really don't know why. (laughs) She's chasing them, then they're chasing her. I don't get it. Vashenko and Kasha get on an airplane to escape, but the Hulk jumps in after them. And when they fire their Uzi at the Hulk, the plane blows up, the Hulk falls from the sky, hits the tarmac, turns back into Banner, and dies. With Jasmine saying, we can be free now, and David replies, Yasmin, I am free. And the Lonely Man theme plays as credits roll for the last time. So, we're going to get into this. We open up with a location shot? I think that's a real building. Is it? It felt like we were in the opening of Beetlejuice. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but there are lots (laughs) of structures that are built like this. It actually reminds me of a lot of buildings that are made around college campuses in the 60s. They're riot-proof. The whole idea is they built architecture that was so crazy that should anyone try to take them hostage, it would be impossible because of the layout of the place. It's just ugly 60s architecture. What confuses me, however, is it's a secret lab, right? Like, it's out in the middle of a giant forest, and David himself is living in a cabin. There's also this giant city, apparently, where he goes to cash his check. I don't know where this is happening. I can only presume Canada again. Vancouver. They're back in Vancouver. Ah, okay. I was a little bit shocked when we first are introduced to David, and he's talking with a little bit of an impediment. Oh, a little bit shocked? I had no idea what was going on here. Because I'm like, is this bad acting? Is he supposed to be mentally challenged? Seriously, Flowers for Algernon is what's coming to me. I don't know what's happened since the last movie, but there's something wrong with his brain or his acting skills have just gone out the window. I was so confused. (laughs) Out the window? This man's trying to win an Emmy. If Dustin (laughs) Hoffman can pick up an Oscar for Rain Man, he thinks that he can show him up. And he even kind of looks like Hoffman in this. It's totally Raymond Babbitt. I didn't think that per se. Honestly, 
at first my thought was, did something really go wrong between the last movie and this movie? <laughs> well, he's directing like he had a stroke. <laughs> I, it might be reflected in the performance as well, but I think I knew what he was doing. I thought it was part of the act. I did think it was an act, and honestly, Jacob, you thought Flowers for Algernon. What I went back to was the original Hulk comics, because in the Hulk comics, the leader started off as a fairly stupid janitor who gets involved in an experiment and becomes incredibly smart. And so I thought that they might actually be paying homage to the comic, and again, not knowing if or what hero would be in this one, I kind of wondered if the leader might be showing up. Maybe David Banner had a mentally challenged twin who might become the leader. This is where my mind was going. (laughs) Arnie! Arnie! (laughs) You guys may laugh, but I just finished watching an episode of the Hulk series for the Venganza Media Gazette, and... They had the evil twin plot going on. They had Bixby in an evil mustache playing a doppelganger of himself. Is this where Knight Rider got the idea? I think they stole it from Hulk. Yes, it was Garth Knight five years earlier. So it's not all that far-fetched. All I got to say is, whether I recommend this or not, I'm recommending this first five minutes because it is such a trip. Stuart, you've talked about Bixby and just this melodramatic, oversensitive. I'm like, they neutered this guy at the beginning of this film. Like, it just comes off weird because you have no idea what's going on with him. Arnie, maybe he's the leader. I don't know. It just takes a while to play out, and it's, it's just a weird feeling. Well, that's the thing is I think that I knew what they were doing, but they do it for so long before he shows his hand. I did by the end of it start to wonder like, well, no, maybe, you know, he got hit by a car and he just hasn't been right since. (laughs) That hitchhiking is catching up with him. They do overplay their hand. And I guess that's my review of the whole movie is that it's just I'm 10 steps ahead and they're never wanting to race up and catch up with. It's ridiculous how long it takes for him to wink at us and show that he's not actually got any mental impairment. I do like the fact that they don't waste any time, though, showing us he can still Hulk out. This is when I realized it wasn't an evil twin brother, because there's a random mugging. David gets mugged a lot. No, it's so lame. It's so perfunctory just to, like, get a Hulk scene in early, because there's no point for him to show up. Really, ever. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally arbitrary. Like, it plays no part in the rest of the film. These guys never show up. They're not part of the evil Eastern European gang. It's just a random mugging scene so we can get our Hulk. Like I said, he's not even in a city. For the rest of this movie, this movie takes place in a forest. (laughs) But, you know, he's suddenly in, yeah, this dark city alley, and they're pulling him down. I will say this. The coolest moment in this entire movie, including Hulk's death, The coolest moment is right here at the beginning. Lou gets to run through some walls. I thought that was kind of fun. I told you, that's his thing is he runs through walls and he does do that. I was, again, disappointed, though. I complained last podcast about how Trial of the Incredible Hulk had all that sped up action. This one was even worse. All the action scenes are obviously played at fast forward, but even some of the dramatic scenes are played at fast forward, which is really weird. I don't think anything's played that fast forward in this movie. (laughs) I thought they had it on slow-mo, if not pause, for at least half of this. (laughs) Well, here, 
they have just the obvious stunt double when David's getting thrown into a door. I mean, it's just obviously somebody with a totally different build and a bad wig. Then, yes, Hulk out. And, yeah, he does smash through a lot of walls. And I'm going to give them credit. I haven't really liked Ferrigno's makeup in these movies. I thought they did a good job here. He's kind of downsized a little bit, but the wig is working for him. The paint's a little bit darker green. Lou looks good in this. And I'm also loving the score to this. It felt to me like the first two TV movies, even though made in the late 80s, still were trapped in the 70s. This one is such 80s cheese synth that I am just laughing along. I'm laughing, but you're saying you're loving it? It's a good thing? I'm loving it in a retro, so bad it's good 80s way. It's so bad it's distracting to me. By the way, it's the 90s. Just FYI, <laughs> this came out in February 18th, 1990. So it's so 80s. Now they're only 10 years behind. It's great. <laughs> I did, though, start to groan. Already I wondered about the tone of this when the Hulk runs right between the old couple watching television. I'm like, oh boy, this is the jokes we're going to have this movie. No, it's actually the only joke we're going to have in this movie. But yes, it's a lame one. Have these movies had jokes? Like intentional ones anyways? Oh, absolutely. Thor calling Hulk a troll. Yeah, that was all comedy. But intentional? And the whole bar scene. Yeah, Yeah, okay. I'll give you that one scene. And it's only after all of that that we finally see David is actually... well. I'm just going to go out and say it. I think Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are fans of this movie and ripped it off totally. This is the roots of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> this is the origin story. This is where it came yeah. from. Uh-huh. Can I ask, to get into the lab, he does this incredibly complicated maneuver about leaving his thermos. Does he do that every time? Like, presumably he keeps going in after hours into this lab, maybe every night, right? Or at least a couple times a week. But in order to do that, he's got to play a recording of a guard at one end of the building saying he's going to leave at that door so that the other one can hear it. I mean, half this movie, and I timed it out, 40 (laughs) minutes of this movie is about people trying to figure out how to get through doors. The security (laughs) guards are the stars of this movie. The girl at the south end and the dude at the north end (laughs) are getting more screen time than Lou Ferrigno. It is ridiculous. But yes, I got to ask, really, this is how he has to get in the lab and we really have to see the complicated way in which he keeps leaving a thermos to to play this tape recorded bamboo. So, I mean, couldn't we just accept that he punches a door and then goes to work? Like, did we really need all of this? And if I was that security guard, wouldn't you tie that damn thermos to him and <laughs> write his name on it? Also, it's funny because, like, he's on the verge of getting fired, too. They're like, David, you got to listen to instructions or we're going to have to let you go. It's obviously a work release program. <laughs> They're obviously taking him because it's a pity project. The place doesn't even have any dirt. And I don't think it's because he's doing all of the work. It's just they're just being nice by making him carrot cake, letting him just be there to have their paycheck. But yeah, I didn't get that he was doing this every night, but I did get that the forgotten thermos was a recurring motif. So the nights he wanted to, he could go there because obviously that first night he just went to cash his paycheck, but he still did the whole, I forgot my thermos. Yeah. 
Well, he's been doing this long enough that the doctor is actually suspecting that a ghost is working with him, maybe literal, maybe metaphorical, but that he knows that somebody is changing his work, working with him in secret to perfect whatever the hell it is they're doing. And how does he respond to that? Does he actually, like, install security cameras or tell the security personnel there about it? No. He reprograms the computer to ask questions when (laughs) David sits down. (laughs) Who are you? I don't exist. Okay, continue. (laughs) (laughs) Really, people, this is... 30 minutes of the movie, people trying to get to laptops and change formulas. I'm wondering, was She-Hulk such a big part of this that when they cut her out, they had to just stretch it till it was wafer thin? She-Hulk could not have been a part of this script. Oh, you don't think so? There is no way She-Hulk could have been a part of this script because they were planning on going with the comic book origin where She-Hulk needed a blood transfusion. The only match was David. He was all worried about what the transfusion would do to her. Of course, it gave her Hulkism and... You know, depending on which incarnation of She-Hulk, she was either exactly like the Hulk, or sometimes she was able to maintain her intelligence, but... Oh, see, I thought it was going to be Yasmin. I thought for sure this Russian spy chick was going to get zapped with gamma rays, and she was going to become She-Hulk. No, they were planning the blood transfusion in the early She-Hulk scripts. Oh. So, no, this was a different script. They just went a different way. Totally. But there's no way you could shoehorn anybody of interest into this, including apparently the Hulk. Wow. But let's talk about Yasmin, because she is also introduced in this movie, and I knew she was evil because this is a Hulk movie, and when we first see her, she's on a racquetball court, so I know something (laughs) nefarious is afoot. Because that Thor film was so great. Let's just repeat all those beats. (laughs) And I'll get in some more throughout this film, but yes, the racquetball. The bad guys are introduced on the racquetball court. She has a tape recorder in her ass. She's literally trying to tape somebody while they play racquetball and get them to tell secrets. Not the best way. Like, can you even hear when the ball bouncing around and the thing shoved up your rectum? You're going to get a good sound recording or whatever it is they're busting him for. And then you're going to, like, toss it out. Like, not even wash your hands. Toss it out and give it to Allen Ginsberg on an exercise bike. This whole thing is some sad-ass setup. And I knew from this point. I knew we were in trouble. I was waiting for her to turn into a superhero. I figured she had to be the counterpoint to Hulk. I knew that much, that this was going to be the pair up with David and with Hulk. And I knew that she would have to have a super alter ego. But actually, it's just alter ego. She's a chameleon. She changes her identity. But she is in no way super. I mean, this is not comic book based, right? This is just Yasmin, boring Russian spy girl. Correct. Born Russian spy. It's 1990. The wall just came down. This was probably written before that, and Russians were still as good an enemy as any. Although, I didn't know if she was Russian or some kind of Eastern Bloc, but I wasn't sure what what this accent was supposed to be. She's a red. She's a commie. She is part of the Iron Curtain that is here to do terrible things to America. Well, I wasn't sure that she was even a commie. I mean, keep in mind, I'm watching this in 2012, Far post 9-11, her boss, Kasha, she keeps talking to him about you've lost sight. And I think they even mentioned infidels at one point. I'm like, (laughs) are these supposed to be jihadists? No, I know. And then they talk about prayers. I don't know what they believe. I don't know what they stand for. I don't know what they want from Pratt's 
uninvented generic machine that apparently only exists to turn people back out of the Hulk state. I mean, what else would that thing do? You might ride it at a carnival. I have no idea what that device is doing. It's like a Centurion helmet and a little, like, one of those mechanized, like, rocket ships you'd ride outside Kmart. It's like I'd put in 50 cents. That's <laughs> what the device is. And they need 36 floppy disks to figure out how to steal this. That's the plot. <laughs> I loved seeing the floppy disks, I might just add. It was just so retro to see. And I'm sure those were cutting edge because they were three and a half inch and not five <laughs> and a quarter. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, this is cool technology and for 1990. The one thing I got to give Yasmin, though, she has the nicest naked back of any woman on TV in 1990. I think she's a model, right? This actress. Oh, she's more than a model. She slept with the president. Which one? Clinton, when he was governor. Really? Yeah. This woman was Miss America in 1982 and a model and... A sleeper with politicians had a one-night stand with the president and then became a failed actress. Wow. It's amazing what Wikipedia can tell me. (laughs) (laughs) But you jumped ahead to her nakedness. Yeah, because right after the racquetball scene, she's in the shower. She gets naked like six times in this movie. I did notice that. So yeah, she is working for Kasha and her sister, Bella, is kidnapped so she can do... One last job, that old cliche. Mm-hmm. But why does she want to quit? I don't even get that. I don't know. Yeah, what does she want to do? What does anyone want to do in this movie? I have no idea. And what was the initial sting she was doing on the racquetball court? Does that guy ever come back? No, he doesn't come back. It's only to let you know that she's willing to do anything, include shoving up a cassette recorder wherever it needs to be to get the job done. I don't know. They just probably had the racquetball court cheap again. I'm convinced it had to be budgetary. I have no idea what that racquetball scene was about. All right. Well, enough about Yasmin, because we've just been introduced to her, and now we got to go back to David for a really long time. Now, more and more of his crying about how he can't let the Hulk be shown, and he has to keep it in, and he's looking for a cure, but he won't allow anyone to help him. I am tired of this guy. I gotta say, this is such a self-indulgent act at this point. Get help or move on. I just can't stand it. I think that this movie did a good job of reminding people like Stuart why he needs to be rid of the Hulk. He says the Hulk has never hurt anyone, but we have no guarantees it won't. And the Hulk causes so much property destruction. The Hulk is a tornado, and who wants to loose a tornado? Hey, it's good for insurance collection. I'm sure a lot of people would like Hulk to run through their foreclosed home at this point. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. He feels responsible for the Hulk's actions, and knowing that the Hulk is a violent entity, every time the Hulk shows up, someone gets the smackdown. Yeah! The bad guy, the guy that he wouldn't be able to take on in a fair fight, I believe is exactly who gets the smackdown. Look, I have a very different take on David, and when Yasmin and him finally get together, I think I got his number. This is all a knack. I called him as one of those soft rock crooners from the past. Well, I'm now onto his game. That's exactly what Hulk is. Hulk is his wingman for him to go around and bang chicks all over the country claiming he wants to get cured. <laughs> And this time he gets further than he ever has before, I think, right? Hey, he got married in an episode that I've reviewed on the Venganza Media Gazette. Mm. 
Okay. But my point is, we only saw him hemming the bell-bottoms. We've never got a skin scene. This feels sexed up. Uh, Like I said, I think I got his number this time. I think I know why he did this movie. You're so cynical about my innocent David. (laughs) I think you're the one that needs curing of Hulk, Arnie. You can't let it go. Now, does anyone here, I gotta ask, does anyone here think this machine's actually going to work? Are you falling for it? How many times later? It's been almost 90 times of this. You got a machine that's going to do it. I don't buy it. I don't believe it for a second. Well, what about those cool laser effect force field around the whole Taki? Come on, that didn't sell it to you? I love that. I'm going to give them so props because that was state-of-the-art TV special effects. That looked as good as anything on Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, I didn't watch Star Trek The Next Generation, and that's probably why. (laughs) You're not selling me on it. For some reason, I don't understand, and I don't understand a lot about this film, to be perfectly honest. Pratt's healing machine can heal David of Hulkism, but in order to do that, Pratt insists he must see the Hulk. He can't just take David at his word. A transformation must occur. So they set up that force field, and they give David a handle. Now, have either of you ever played, like, those little arcade games where the whole point is to see how long you can take a shock? Yes. (laughs) That is basically what they give him, is a handle to grab, so that really fake lightning can course up his arm, and he can force himself into a change of the Hulk. And all I could do while watching the scene is think, damn it, Stuart was right. <laughs> Apparently Bixby can change whatever he freaking wanted to. I was thinking the same thing. He just needs uh-huh. to carry around a battery pack to shock himself. Uh, Maybe a nine volt on the tongue. Yes. <laughs> so annoying. Yes. He's the Hulk whenever the screenwriters need him to be the Hulk. That's the control that's here. I was able to retcon in my own mind. He couldn't damage himself. Well, no. Yeah, he can. And then poor Lou. You know, he's a bodybuilder, not an actor. Don't a lot of actors take, like, really weird classes like mime in order to learn their craft? And here's Lou trying to mime and just not pulling it off. You know, I don't like these scenes. It's not the effects or not the effects. We don't need long exposition scenes to tell us what we already know from all the other movies. I mean, really, anyone tuning into this does not need 40 minutes of explanation about the pain and suffering of David and his Hulk alter ego. And in fact, they love Hulk and don't ever want him to be cured. They want this to go on forever. I have to agree. It feels like this first hour has so much filler there's this whole montage i felt like i was watching the end of real genius this science laser testing montage that seemed never ending now you ask if anyone thinks the laser will work and i admitted that before i ever saw this i watched the end i knew where this was going jacob have you seen this No, this was my first time, and I actually thought the death of the Hulk was they were going to remove the Hulk from him, and then somehow he would need the Hulk, and it would recombine. But I thought that this laser actually was going to work. It wasn't going to be long-term, but it would work until the third act, when they needed the Hulk to come back. I honestly, looking at this, I mean, having seen Trial of the Incredible Hulk, where the only trial was in a dream, I wondered, would Death of the Incredible Hulk be they fake the Hulk's death? You know, Mm -hmm. would you think that they might cure Banner, or would you think they might go the way they went, where it's an actual physical death? Like you, Arnie, I had spoiled it years and years ago, so I knew the answer going in. That's the only suspense here, is are they actually going to pull the trigger on this whole Jekyll and Hyde act? And they do. It would be, I think, 
a shocker to me. I wouldn't believe that they'd go through with it if this were my first time watching. But because I made that decision 20 years ago, there was absolutely no suspense on even that front. And I'm in the same boat as you, and it's bad on us for spoiling it. Yeah, I know. But could it be that this entire scene is there because the audience may be on the edge of their seat? Is he going to be cured? Are we spending all this time because this will be his cure and this is how the Hulk will die? Well, I don't know. The word death weighs heavier. You know, could Incredible Hulk die and Banner live? I guess it's a possibility. It certainly would have been the happier way to write it. But this show has always been about making David a sap. I mean, it's always been about making him put upon and tragic. It's a tragic soap opera. And, you know, it's hard to imagine them giving a happy ending after kicking this guy in the teeth for a decade. I want to say, though, by the time, like you say, we spend 40 minutes on the DVD, which is probably a full hour of TV broadcast. Yep. With really nothing happening. The only Hulk we get is in the force field test and in the early mugging. I knew this was the last performance of Bixby as Banner. The last performance of Ferrigno as Hulk, other than the fact that he does the voice in the movies. I thought... This is a wasted opportunity. I thought that what I'm watching feels so played out after 80 some episodes of all of this happening again and again. It felt like the setup of The Incredible Hulk Returns where he's in a lab and he's about to get zapped with the laser again. I really felt like this should have been an opportunity to explore a part of David's life and have him doing something else other than I need to be cured to make him have a resolution. Isn't that what I said in Thor, by the way? Just FYR. <laughs> Are you with me now? That he should have been in a different place than he was for the series in these movies? You know, there was one episode where he actually went back home and saw his family siblings, parents, I think that that type of character exploration is what should have happened if you're going to kill this character. That's the difference between this and Thor. Thor, they were trying to relaunch the franchise. This is Death of the Hulk. And yet, I don't know what this movie's about when we reach the midway point. I know Banner's trying to be cured by the scientist. I know there are some people with weird accents trying to steal stuff, but... I can't say that this is a character exploration of Banner the way I feel it should be if you're going to kill him. No, I agree. Yeah, if you're going for finality, you don't go for this kind of fluff. I mean, I really feel that this is the return without Thor. I mean, the whole cure gets interrupted in the middle by this mysterious person that he'll team up with later. It doesn't have the urgency that something with the word death in it should have. It really doesn't, and... I'm just reminded of so many series finales that try to have an important ending and just fail in their getting there. I'm thinking of like Seinfeld or the last episode of Sopranos or the last episode of Cheers or to some degree the last episode of Lost. It's like you're going through all these motions and you're trying to put a bow at the end of it, but... Really, the finale this is reminding me of is the series finale of Moonlighting, where they were filming an episode, got news midway through the episode, it seems, that they were being canceled and just had to tack on an ending. This is not feeling like what I want out of Death of the Hulk, which I, in my meta-knowledge, know, A, they die, and B, they never play these roles again. Yeah. 
Well, you know, television is about the journey. If you're waiting for this ending, uh, yeah, it's going to be a real disappointment. But you didn't review 80-some-odd episodes on Venganza Gazette because you wanted to find out how he was going to live or die. You did it because you liked the character, you wanted to see him do it. But in a movie, stakes are different. That's what I've been arguing this whole time. TV, do the same thing again and again for however many years you want. You have a special movie, you do something special. My personal feeling is they should have gone with the Superman 2 route. Give him what he wants. Let him see what it would be like to be without Hulk. Let him have him eradicated very early and then realize how much of a part of his identity and how much he relied on that thing is. Make him realize what we already know. Hulk is cool. Hulk should be a part of it. We'd all like to have a Hulk that we could channel. And like I said, having never seen this before, never having seen the last five minutes to spoil it, I thought that's the route they were going. You know, instead, we get a half hour of him hanging out with Ronnie and his wife. I thought maybe he's swinging with the scientist, playing (laughs) chess on the beach. I don't know what's going on at this point. Like, they have no clue what they're doing. They couldn't get Iron Man. They couldn't get She-Hulk. And they're just spinning their wheels until someone pulls the plug, cuts off the budget. Yeah, I think it would work if these scenes had conveyed to me what the dialogue later does, because I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when the old man's in the coma, his wife says, we thought of you like a son. I didn't get that out of this montage. I mean, I saw them playing chess. I saw them working on science, but because it was a montage with no dialogue, I didn't see affection per se. I didn't see David building a new family, a family that would mourn him, a family that would accept him. I didn't get that out of this montage. Maybe that's what I was supposed to get, but if that's the case, it was poorly done. It was poorly done, and that is what we're supposed to get. But at this point, he's always meeting the love of his life. He's always meeting that person that wants him to stay and hang around. This man has no problems walking on down the road. Like, I don't understand that once the experiment doesn't work, Yasmin breaks into the lab, the gig is up, The two security guards are going to get cameras now so that no one can ever break in here again with a tape recorder and a wig and a chloroform mask. They're going to get this solved. Banner is basically an outcast. He can no longer go back to this machine. Go down the road. There's nothing else for him to do. It's foolish for him to hang around in the second half of this movie. Except he's near the cure, and if Pratt wakes up, Why can't the wife do it? I don't understand. She was there for all the testing. Why can't she hit the button? It didn't really look like, like I said, put a quarter in the machine. See what it does. Well, there was the other part of this. This is the last dose of uranium that Pratt has. So they only have one chance at this. So you're right, Stuart. With the uranium gone, now there's even another obstacle. It explains why Pratt's wife can't just push the button, but it doesn't explain why David would stay, except again... Now his father figures in a coma if I realized he gave a damn about this guy. Right. And he's going to get him out of the coma? Like, what can he do at this point? Well, he does get him out of the coma, but we'll get there. (laughs) Yes, we most certainly will go over that plot point. But just looking at it from the hour mark, okay? He has tried again. He's gotten real close to a machine that could fix him. It didn't work out. Some chick screwed it all up. He hulked out. And he saves Pratt, who had been previously already saved, by carrying him further from the fire. And then he's trapped, so he jumps out of a really high window headfirst. First of all, when we've seen the Hulk jump out of windows before, he's usually smart enough to not try to belly flop. And second of all, 
that window was pretty high up, right? Wouldn't you say? Oh, I know where you're going with this. Yes. You would think that would leave a mark. Yeah. yeah. He just gets up and... <laughs> And runs away, tears apart a fence, and this bothers me, not because of how it happened. He's the Hulk, right? He can belly flop into cement all he wants. Or can he? Banner is hanging around at this point. I guess it's because he falls in love? I mean, that's the other swallow it and go on. Well, not yet. That happens later. Well, kind of. He leaves the house saying, I'm going to make this right. And then a bunch of Ford Broncos chase him across a field to a gas station. Here's Yasmin with a gun. And from that point on, they're together. Well, by this point, Yasmin has realized that she's been betrayed by her own sister. The sister she thought she was there to protect. Well, she realized it when they decided to shoot her and then tell her (laughs) that Voshinko is her sister. Yes, that's when she realized it, when they told it to her for unknown reasons. And Banner thinks that she's quote-unquote kind because after she knocked Pratt over with chemical... Explain this to me. So... She's breaking in. She throws something. It spills. He slips. Pratt attacks this woman posed as a security guard. She pushes him back and he stumbles back for like 20 yards, hits his head and drops uh, and knocks a chemical over, which starts a lab fire. It's all very convenient. And he's in a life or death coma from that point on. He's an old man. They need better security because (laughs) she pulled him away from a fire Banner says she is kind. No, that just means she's not a killer. That is not kind to break into somebody's lab and throw chemicals at them. There's no kindness. Look, Banner wants to get laid. This is what I said before. He is here to bang chicks. This is an act. He doesn't want the Hulk cured. He just wants to use my tortured singer-songwriter journeyman persona to get laid. Grow up. This is not the case. I think you are being very, very cruel to this and reading what you want to win it. I see it as he is a tortured soul. He does want to be cured. He's not trying to bang chicks. That's why he's hanging around with Pratt and the old lady he's married to. The coma, I don't even know if it's a real coma because they say that he just is shutting out the world when he wants to. He may be faking because I've never seen a coma where... You can just wake up when you are told a good story. (laughs) Or a very bad story. A stinky story. Are we there? Are we to the the story yet? Can we talk about the story? Oh my god, this story. Because this is like, here we are. I'm saying this is like that Thor-Hulk crossover. Here's the bar scene. This is where it just gets crazy. (laughs) I could not believe it i knew what was coming though that's the thing is there's this whole story early on where pratt's like this reminds me of being in school sneaking around i tell you this story about when i set off a stink bomb and they all called me stinky just feeding me jokes i mean at this point i'm like writing down movie stinky got you know i mean like you know you're gonna make this easier for me really just bend over and put a target on your ass all right And so when the guards are coming and David's been trying to talk to him and wake him up, I'm like, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. And then it gets even worse. Stinky. What did you do? What did you put in that? It smelled so bad. Stinky. (laughs) This is the Emmy clip. This is when they go around saying, and the nominee for best supporting actor in a TV movie. Mr. Pratt, they cut to this scene of Pratt, like, coming to life. Or maybe it's Banner's Emmy clip, you know? Yeah, I think, I think it's honestly yeah. a nominated Bill Bixby. Stinky! <laughs> what did you put in that stinky? 
Wow, yeah. Are we sure that he's not mentally deficient? Maybe it wasn't an act at the beginning. You have to be real stupid to put a scene like this in your movie and think that it's dramatic. Think that people are going to laugh through tears and say that this is a poignant moment. I didn't know what they were going for. All I knew was I was bored and I was incredulous and I was upset. Keep in mind, I'm reviewing a hundred hours of the Hulk here, Mm -hmm. and this is what you give me as my cherry on the Sunday is stinky. I got a question for you, because I noticed it in Daredevil, but here it's even worse. He really, like, hectors people. It's supposed to, I think, be a pep talk, but he really gets angry with them and bosses around. He's very judgmental and tells them what they should be, and he likes to dish it out, David Banner. He likes to, to get people's lives all worked out. Is that something he does every time? Yeah, he's always there to try to help out. No, helping is one thing. Telling people what they should do and belittling their life choices, that's something else. (laughs) Well, if their life choices are bad... Well, it's a stink bomb! Who doesn't throw a stink bomb in high school? Come on! I mean, if the man is faking it, I say screw him. I'm going to go hitchhike. I mean, you can just lay in bed for all you care. I mean, really, this is ridiculous. The moment is terrible, and we're really far into this movie. So Yasmin, to save her own life, has to try to get David. David takes her to the cabin in the woods, heals her wounds. We get to see that back again. Yeah, she's topless a lot in this. But television topless. Yes, back only. I think I got a glimpse of side boob, but maybe I was just desperate for something on the screen to interest me. Now, here, in a movie full of bad dialogue, is a bit of terrible dialogue. Because she saw David change in the chair and thinks the science has created him. And she's like, you change. My sister, (laughs) she changed too. (laughs) Yeah, she's putting it together. That that was a howler. I did really enjoy that. I got to admit, that was, yeah, her uh, deductive reasoning there is quite amusing. You're just like my sister. That turned into an evil Russian spy from a good Russian spy. (laughs) But then, now that Pratt's awoken, David leaves i guess he was just sticking around because he wanted to see that his father figure was okay but now he's ready to run away with yasmin and i don't know i mean go anywhere he seems to not care so much about being cured of the hulk anymore Mm, maybe like he just wants to get laid you mean Mm -hmm. yeah i thought so too hey you know i remember early stages of love and passion you know it's early stages how long has he been doing this gig? In 12 years. <laughs> Jacob, don't tell me you're siding with Stuart that he's a hustler, too. <laughs> Look, pretty soon we're going to be seeing him in a pimp mustache, stealing cars. <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to see Stuart's side here. Mm. Oh, God, he's just the perennial nice guy. I got to say, though, this film feels different with this relationship with the woman than the other films we watch. I don't know about the TV shows. Saw some of them when I was a kid. Don't remember them. But this one definitely feels more sexed up. Maybe it's because it's the 90s now and they got to notch it up a bit for television. But yes, we had sexy scientist Elena with her sheer top, but this is a whole different level now. It is. Yeah, no, 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 no. We've never had a sex kitten before. I mean, that's her superpower this time, you know? This is what they got. We also get one more extraneous Hulk scene when they try to kill them both in a pickup with a couple of bulldozers. This scene's pointless, and it's just like, hey, we need to get the Hulk in here one more time. I actually got slightly excited at this point because I thought Hulk was actually going to take on the construction site vehicles. I thought, wow, this must be the money moment. But (laughs) what does he even do? 
he tears out the roof of their truck. Of his own car, not their cars. Yeah. Well, it's a car they stole. And they're trapped in it. Yes. And then, like, he doesn't push them out of the way. He just sort of grabs them and growls. They split up. I think, well, this is the point of this. Now they're apart. Next scene, back together again. Wow. Like, this is how you know nothing is happening. Because nothing changes scene by scene. Nothing new develops. It's just the same. This is easily the most tedious of all of the Hulk movies. Even that Death in the Family. This has just got nothing going on. This could have not even been a full hour, and they've stretched it to two. I have to agree with you, because one of the big things about screenwriting is you've got to change your plot. You have to change your acts like every half hour. And here... We're like with commercials an hour and a half in and all we've had is David working with the scientist and then David running away with Yasmin. We don't have nearly enough going on to sustain this length. It's really almost feels like they just dusted off one of the scripts they had lying around from the 70s series and like, let's just stretch it to two hours. Yeah, and I don't think they actually took the dust off of it. They just took that dusty script and said, this is it. I mean, this is creaky. This would be a very bad episode. And as a comeback movie, you blame the ratings on Daredevil, Arnie. I blame the ratings on bad bad movie but nobody knew that before it was on well, they knew it in the first five minutes yeah flipping <laughs> the channel i mean really maybe if she had taken her top off in the first 10 minutes they might have had some hangers on but come on you know night court's on there's something else to be watched <laughs> twin peaks not for a few more months but Vyshenko and Kasha decide to kidnap the press. They're really obsessed with this seemingly useless scientific research and Yes. Right. It seems like they'd have a harder time getting uranium than the Pratts. Yes. And rather than having the wife go and get the discs that the spy did not pick up, they are trying to get them at gunpoint to recite them all. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Are they afraid she'll slip too and go into a coma? I mean, come on. I can do you one better, though, because it's on the radio that they're kidnapped. (laughs) Breaking news. Some old people were grabbed in an ambulance. (laughs) And then Yasmin, because she's a kind person, doesn't keep it a secret from David. She tells him, knowing David's going to do something about it, but to find where the Prats are. They go after another member of the spy agency. I have no idea what this is. That's (laughs) what he was? It was a car dealer. Yes, he has a day job. (laughs) This is so, I was so confused by this whole thing. I did not understand. This is one hour and 21 minutes into a one hour and 32 minute movie. This is the last 10 minutes of the movie and they're beating down a car dealer dressed up as rich sophisticates. Yeah, this is the best. Yasmin, master of disguise. Oh, I'll make it so you can't get recognized. A freaking mustache. That's it. They put a mustache on him. I do love his accent here, though, and his, is there room in the trunk? Well, we'll get to that later. And it's a setup because they shove the guy in the trunk. I thought that was the one moment I genuinely smiled during this whole thing. You couldn't make me smile at gunpoint at this point. (laughs) My jaw was just on the floor when they do the reveal that this guy's a mobster. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I was a little confused, too. And then I'm just like, wait, wait, this guy involved in some jihad works days as a car salesman. Did we see him ever before? 
I don't think so. <laughs> was he at the racquetball court? I mean, yeah, this is the real failure here. I know there are many, but the real failure, <laughs> the real one is that we don't understand the bad guys. We don't understand what they want. We don't understand what they stand to gain by doing what they say they want to do. They aren't threatening to us. I really don't get the choice in bad guys here. Just like the Cajuns, huh? No, worse. At least I guarantee they're going to be bad just from the way they talk. I guess, no, you're right. It's the same here. They have a Russian accent. Ergo, they're bad, I guess. Can we just get to the death? Because I think that the whole movie is complete filler so that they can do the 10 minutes that they really, really, really want to do. These last 10 minutes. There's a huge back and forth. Yasmin is captured. And we haven't talked about Zed. Zed is the most evil of all the Eastern Europeans because he's a torturer with a mustache. Yes. And he never accomplishes anything. Well, it is a family television night. You can't have him actually torture anyone. Anyone? You can't have him do anything? <laughs> you can't have him... Even off screen, you could do something. You hear some screams coming out of a room, but he does nothing. We get Yasmin's back how many times in this film, and they can't have him cause someone to scream a couple of times? Hmm. The whole big thing is Kasha is trying to overthrow Vizhenko by making Vishenko have Zed kill Yasmin. And my God, I'm tired of these names. <laughs> <laughs> and Vishenko wants Yasmin killed quickly. And so, God, I hate these names. Kasha takes that as a sign of weakness and he's going to overthrow Vishenko. So Zed finally gets to kill Yasmin. And I'm like, finally, we're going to get the torture. No. I don't even know what you just said, Arnie. I'm just lost. And, and I watched this film. Yeah. No one cares about the inner fighting of the Russians. They needed to have solidarity. They needed to have a clear plan. It would help if they were stealing something that seemed useful to them. <laughs> At worst, what did they do? They steal a machine that will make Russians not hulks? <laughs> okay. Let them have it. Let them have it. Let everyone have that. If you want to strap on that helmet and ride that little ride and get zapped to not be a hulk, go to town. <laughs> But yes, there's an infighting. Basically, the male dude is calling the female chick out weak. And so to confirm that, she brings in the torturer rather than killing her own sister. I did not understand that scene. Might have been ad-libbed. No, the whole thing is that Zed will kill her slowly. And if you're going to show you're truly a ruthless leader, you will allow your sister, the only person you're close to, to not just be killed, which she was perfectly fine with killing her sister. The only thing she wanted was that her sister would get it quick. And mm, actually, the way to show that is to do the killing yourself, not to outsource it to Zed, <laughs> mustache dude. And of course, even he can accomplish this. She pretends to put in a cyanide pill. He goes to check what's in her mouth. She bites him and pushes a bookcase on him, and we never see him again. Zed's dead, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power of reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better line than anything in this movie, Stinky. <laughs> but let's get to the main fight here. Cops show up. There's been these two secret agents that have been bumbling in the background. They finally get a posse to come storm the place. I don't even know where these cops came from. They were confusing, too. If they'd been set up early on, yes. that would have been one thing. But they're introduced, like, in the fourth act. Well, maybe McGee called him up, gave him a tip. <laughs> McGee. I wish we had McGee. That's right. He's not in here. Why isn't he here? He never came back after the Thor one. It's not like he was in bad health or anything. It's not like he was above doing shit. He was in child's play. 
Maybe, he could, honestly, maybe he couldn't get a work visa for Canada. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he was tired of being embarrassed. <laughs> you know, I would have been for it. Again, I think this movie should have been what they talked about doing during the series. Bring McGee back. Have the trial for Elena Marks instead. Yes. What the hell is this? No, you're right. Yeah, give everyone what they want. Give them closure. If he always wanted to bust the story, have him bust the story. Have him get what he wants. He gets the glory of finally catching the Hulk. I mean, yes, that is what a movie is all about. A series, you don't have those turns. But in a movie, particularly one purporting to be the last one, you have to do those things. But yeah, this doesn't feel like the conclusion of anything. This feels lost in the woods. I don't know why they wanted to tell the story. I only know that they wanted to do what they do to Hulk here at the end. And this is finally the five minutes that I've seen. Yes. We were right, Arnie. We were right to turn it on at this moment because there is no reason to watch the previous 115 minutes. Yeah, because I think when I turned it on, I saw some old people climbing out a window, a chick dressed in all black being chased by an airplane on the ground. And again, I thought Black Widow, she's in all black. She's speaking with an accent. I thought she might be the Black Widow. I didn't know. What was she doing? And what she re- leaves the air hangar, I think, to go catch the plane to stop her sister. Next thing I know, they're trying to run her down. Yep, that's it. Don't all you have to do is like duck and let and it. And she can't get out of the way. I got an idea. Get off the tarmac. <laughs> Well, I think that's what she was trying to do, but they were in an airplane, and after Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, I'd get the hell away from a propeller. Yeah, go on the grass. Don't go on the paved. <laughs> I mean, it's real easy to avoid a plane. But the Hulk comes along, and David turns into the Hulk chasing the plane. What makes him turn into the Hulk? I gotta admit, I thought she was gonna get it. I thought that that would be at least my gratification of seeing this chick get mowed down, and that would make David Hulk out. But he just hulks out at the idea of her being run over? Yep. Ugh. Bad, bad, bad. Not gonna get any better. What? They were taking his layaway. (laughs) I mean, he he had finally been able to find a chick he could settle down with. He wasn't going to go to the new town, and they were going to take that away from him. He wants to go to the new town. It's time to go to the new town. God, no. Well, he jumps on the plane, goes up to the cockpit, Vashenka pulls an Uzi. This is the dumbest thing ever. Ever. Maybe. Go ahead, Arnie. Tell us. Hulk points it to the ground. She fires anyway. (laughs) Then we see this really poorly superimposed explosion. Everything incinerated but Hulk. And Hulk, like, flies at us like, I don't know, I I was thinking like Darkman from a couple years later. He's being propelled from the explosion. Now, not a burn on Hulk. Not a burn. Not one. And the plane's not that high. It's just taken off the ground. (laughs) Yeah, it had been in the air seconds. Like, literally 30 seconds. Having just done a flight, I can say it was not that high. It could not have been that much higher than the window Hulk jumped out of earlier. Head first towards the pavement earlier. Same exact way as this fall. But here, now all of a sudden, we get like this sad pop song as Hulk falls and Lou Ferrigno gives us his best, I'm screwed face. I read in an interview where Lou said this was the best acting he's ever done, and I think he's right, unfortunately. Because <laughs> I saw Hercules. 
<laughs> Arnie, I got to ask, are you still standing by that these effects were as good as anything in 1990 on TV? Oh, no, that all went away once the laser was at Banner's head. But no, it was bad. And the superimposing was bad. Did you guys notice as Hulk was falling in slow-mo and this music was playing, one of the cops crosses himself? No. Yeah, he genuflexed to falling Hulk. Aww. That's cute. Well, you know what? And my prediction has come true. Bixby is guesting on this track. It's mostly a chick singing about, ooh, but he actually whispers in the background. He's, he's actually on the track. Did you catch that? I knew he was out here to sing and get laid. <laughs> I did not. I guess I was distracted by the lack of green makeup on Lou's abs. Yes. It's so, so bad. And then he falls, what, onto some cardboard boxes that were painted yes. to look like asphalt? <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say this, though. All right. This whole movie has been abysmal. Yes. Good. It's been an abomination, if I can. Mm-hmm. But... This part, because I've spent so long with these characters, this music, this scene, lose face, the crash, I'm sad. I'm sad to see Hulk die. I'm sad that this is stupid. This doesn't make (laughs) any sense. This is not how the Hulk dies. For no reason. Maybe if he finds peace, he looks at Yasmin's eyes as he's falling down and finds peace and reverts into Banner and hits the pavement. Okay, fine. But not as the Hulk. It makes no sense. What does he die for? He dies for the glory of knowing that Kashi and Voshinko don't fly away without anything. Yes, I agree. I feel like this whole movie ending with his death is a waste because he does die for nothing. Nobility to it at all. No nothing. There's no reason for him to die other than we promised you he was going to die in the title. Well, they promised us a trial last time. That didn't pay out. But... Yeah, I wish he died saving someone. And you're right, Jacob, this isn't how the Hulk dies. Actually, one of the episodes I've reviewed for the Gazette is called Free Fall, where David Banner works at a skydiving company, Mm. (laughs) and a sharpshooter shoots his parachute straps, David plummets to the earth, crashes through a building as David Banner, then transforms and kicks some ass. And yet here he falls as Hulk and dies. I wish they'd given him some burns or something. I could then retcon it to, well, the explosion plus the fall was just more than he could bear. No, he would heal that. Even if he had marks on them, they go away. They evaporate. Isn't the whole point to Hulk is that he's indestructible? Yeah, and that's what Pratt is trying to study here is the healing. He's trying to create a healing machine. That's what the Russians want, is healing, so that they can heal their soldiers. But you can only heal so much, and if the Hulk hadn't survived one of these faults before, I would have gone with it and said, yes, that could be what kills the Hulk. Bullets can't do it, but a huge fall could cause massive internal bleeding that he can't heal before he dies. But he's already been through this once before, and so... He's already been through this in this movie. That's true. Head first, out the window. Yeah, so he dies for nothing, arbitrarily, in a movie that doesn't really feel like it's leading up to the Hulk's death. In fact, if this movie were just called The Incredible Hulk and the Russians, 
wouldn't this come out of so left field that you'd feel like you were tricked? <laughs> like, you're watching this whole boring-ass movie, and then yes. you're like, wait, he freaking died? I know, I know. Like I said, I can't get over that he died so that Voshinko and Kashi could not succeed in their plan. I mean, they were going away in failure. They had nothing. They had their tail between their legs. They had accomplished nothing. They had already been beaten. He just blows up for no reason. I mean, there's just nothing satisfying about this ending. Other than, yes, it kills a beloved TV icon in in front of our eyes. I am saddened, though. He turns back into Banner, and it is truly a touching moment when Yasmin says, we can be free now, and he looks at her, and I gotta give Bixby this line delivery when he goes, Yasmin, I am free, and dies. He is free. He has, for 13 years, tried to be free of the Hulk, and it took his death, but he finally no longer has that burden. That is sad to me. Well, I'm free, too. Five weeks? Woo! It's over. (laughs) I'm just saying, the first time I saw this, I wept. And this time I saw it, it still touched me, even though I was really pissed off at this boring-ass movie. (laughs) Yeah, I wept for entirely different reasons, not out of being sad, just boredom. Well, Jacob Stewart, how strongly do you not recommend the death of the Incredible Hulk? Jacob? (laughs) Barry? Look, this movie is just arbitrary everything. The first Hulk out, arbitrary. Fights some muggers, doesn't play any part in the plot. Talked about Yasmin and tape recorders up her butt, arbitrary, doesn't play into the plot. His death, arbitrary. It's a pointless film. And, you know, it lives up to that pointlessness. Nothing matters. We get a story about stink bombs and Russians trying to steal a machine for some reason. And just nothing here matters. And coming from the comic book side of things, when you have the death of a character, like everyone in comic book fandom knows that no one stays dead forever in comic books. But at least that death, it's usually something marvelous it's some big event they die for a reason superman dies battling doomsday who's out to destroy the entire planet there's some reason there's some purpose behind their death what do we learn about bruce banner or david banner here what do we learn about the hulk in his death nothing way 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 not recommend don't waste your time at least with the thor film you had some goofy thor scenes this feels like that same film with thor ripped out and cajuns replaced with russians strong strong not recommend Stuart, i come to barry hulk not to praise him i am glad this is over this has been a very 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 painful stretch for me i want to get a real hulk movie i am ready for next week I appreciated some of the backstory. I kind of liked the pilot, but not enough to recommend that. And it's been a very rapid descent, hitting rock bottom right here. As hard as Hulk falls out of that plane is how badly this character in this series has fallen. This is the pits. I have never been so irate at being so bored. The strongest of not recommended. And I also have to... I wanted so much to end this series... This portion of this series, the TV era, by going green and giving it a recommend. It's Hulk. I felt it deserves some green. I went into this, preparing to recommend it at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad if they couldn't cure Banner, at least we've cured you. (laughs) Yeah. Jacob used the exact right word, arbitrary. This whole movie is absolutely abysmal. It would be bad as an episode. 
as the death of the Hulk, it is a betrayal of the character because the death feels arbitrary. It wasn't built up to. This should have been his ultimate story. This should have been a closure to his arcs. This story didn't feel about him at all. It was all about the Prats. A lot of security guards. Yeah, a lot of security guards. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Bill Bixby directed this and yet marginalized his own character. Usually when we see actors turn directors and star in their own vehicles, they marginalize everybody else. Here, the only person marginalized more than Bixby is Ferrigno. This movie is truthfully sad to me because the Hulk dies. And when I watched just that five minutes, I wept. When I watched this whole 90 minutes, I was glad he was dead because my pain was over. <laughs> that takes quite a transformation, I gotta say. From where you were with Thor to being here, well, like I said, you're free, Arnie. You are free. That's the problem with television. You know, Stuart, you've said a lot of things about television that I may not agree with about it. It's not have to be good. It has to be compulsively watchable. But the truth about television, was it Shakespeare who said any story that ends happily ends too soon? Very few TV series end before really just going off the rails into crap. And the Hulk, when it had its four and a half year run, managed through early cancellation to not hit the doldrums. And then these three movies came back and fulfilled the prophecy of making it end in a mound of shit. Although you recommend the first one. I recommended Thor, but it was a weak recommend. And then they got progressively worse. I didn't think that this movie could be worse than the Daredevil one. But the truth is, the Daredevil one at least engaged me. I may not have liked my engagement, but I was at least engaged. This one was just god-awful and a challenge to pay attention to. It's a very strong not recommend. Solidarity! I'm glad. It's been a while since we've all agreed, on been on the same page over something. Honestly, I wish we were in solidarity with three arrows up instead of all in solidarity and hate. <laughs> yes, I would have liked to have watched something worth my time, yeah. Yes, always. I would always rather watch something good than something meaningless. You know, this isn't bad. This is meaningless, is what we watched. It has no value at all. It isn't amusing as a bad movie. It is completely without merit. The only thing I can give this as a possible excuse, and the only sign-off for it, would be that this wasn't actually intended to end the series. I don't know... Why or how? It did a good job of ending it. It did. And after this, nobody wanted to touch the Hulk. Keep in mind, CBS aired the Hulk. CBS canceled the Hulk. Bixby was like, we're going to do movies. CBS wanted no part of it. So they had to go to NBC. Well, after the ratings for this stinker, they wanted no part of the Hulk either. And so Bixby was out trying to sell a plot for Revenge of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> where the Hulk seemed dead, but he's not. 
And apparently there's a script for this that can be purchased at cons or somewhere. I couldn't find it. If any listener can find me the script, I would love to read it. And I will review it on the Gazette at the end of the Hulk series because I would love to read this. Apparently, from what I can tell online, the plot is the Hulk comes back to life and now is trapped in the Hulk's body with Banner's intelligence. So Lou would have to act like Bixby. Yeah, which would be... Crazy. Now, in this time period in the comics, they actually did that. They, several times they've put Banner's intellect into the Hulk's body, where the Hulk would be smart and strong. I believe it's the Gray Hulk that was the smart scientist Hulk. Well, no, the Gray Hulk was actually the bad attitude Hulk. He was Mr. Fix-It. He was kind of a gangster. That's right. With a zoot suit. What? Yeah. <laughs> There was Professor Hulk, who was the giant green one that had kind of the bad attitude of Grey Hulk, the intelligence of Banner, and the strength of Green Hulk. But let's not forget in the mid-80s, they just had regular Green Hulk with Banner's mind for a period, and then it was kind of like the Jekyll and Hyde thing, or Flowers for Algernon, if you will, where Hulk started to lose his intelligence. They, you know, they've made Hulk smart many times. His intelligence is always fluctuating. The key is making Lou be able to pull that off. Yeah, I don't think that that would have been a way that they could have gone. I think that uh, whatever my misgivings about Bixby, I really never had any misgivings about Bixby. I had problems with the way his character was written. You need him to convey the human emotional side. I just don't believe Mr. Ferrigno could do that. And mercifully, we never have to know. You say mercifully, but Bixby was trying to sell this and... He was going to ABC and Fox, the last two networks. <laughs> Fox might have done it. Fox was going to. <laughs> They're the ones that killed Doctor Who in a drive-by <laughs> shooting in L.A. They would have done it. Fox was planning on doing it, but sadly, Bixby was diagnosed with prostate cancer and truthfully did die not long after his character, which really makes this whole thing even sadder for me. If there was another movie, if Bixby hadn't died, there's no way I would have wept when I first saw this, because I didn't see this first run. I saw it on USA years later, after Bixby had died. And this time, I still felt bad, but I felt bad because Bixby himself was dying, and it had died. And I think that's right. If an actor's last time you see them is a death scene, and then they die, even though it was, what, a couple years later, it wasn't like the next day, it's just going to color the way you look at that. You feel like you're watching Bill Bixby die in that last scene. Yeah, and so, you know, I would recommend doing what you and I did, Stuart, and watching just the last five minutes. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how bad the makeup test was on Brigitte Nielsen. There's no way it could be worse than the previous 115 minutes of that movie. <laughs> they should have had She-Hulk. Stuart, I, I looked it up while we were recording this. Um, did you ever watch Glow, Glorious Ladies of Wrestling? <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I bet you I would have laughed. Yes. I had to mute myself when I was looking at those pictures because I was laughing. This is the end then, and I do believe because they couldn't actually make the Incredible Hulk movie work because Bixby did pass away, you know, to bring it full circle, Fox was like, well, let's do other Marvel characters. Hey, how about some Generation X and then Nick Fury? So I think Death of the Incredible Hulk is directly responsible for Generation X and Nick Fury. And that's a good thing? So now I hate it more? I mean, really? Like, I thought that I couldn't give a stronger not recommend. But now, yeah, I'm ready to push everyone involved out of an airplane. 
Well, I'm glad to be leaving TV land. I feel like, wow, this has been really hard. Most of these TV movies have been a, a real chore. And yeah, I'm excited for a movie. No matter what quality it is we're going to get, from this point on, it's straight on movies. Marvel movie, not TV movie. That's right. We are in, well, there is some Spider-Man, but for the most part. For the Avengers <laughs> retrospective, at yes. least. <laughs> yeah, give me a break, please. I don't even want to think about that guy in a red nylon that I got to look at in a couple months. But yes, for the Avengers series, it's all theatrical. And next week, we have Ang Lee's 2003 Hulk. The, which ends the Hulk leg of our series. Yes, there's one more Hulk film, but we're going to get to that when we finally do the Marvel movies. Yeah, we're here, guys. I can smell it. I feel like Avengers is in the air now. I mean, we're getting close to our final destination. I'm getting excited. I actually see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm thinking of getting an Avengers tattoo. That's how excited I am. <laughs> Might want to wait. <laughs> Make sure Arnie, the movie Arnie, doesn't Arnie. suck. Yeah, you, you would have gotten a Nightmare on Elm Street tattoo a couple years ago. I think you really should wait for the movie. Actually, I'm still thinking about that one, too. Just just make sure it's a, a comic book version of the Avengers. That way, if the movie <laughs> flops, you know, you don't have Christopher Evans on you. Yeah. Well, we will be back next week with Hulk, and we'll talk to you then, puny human. Fine battle we had, eh, Banner? Me and your troll? I told you we'd win the day, Banner. Odin willed it. When the troll's upon you, you're a mighty fighter. You're not bad yourself. <laughs> I know. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Incredible Hulk retrospective series. You know what scares me the most? Is it when it happens? When it comes over me? And I totally lose control. I like it. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. Whether you know or care... I've got a lot of pride in what you've done, but this is too big for you. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another movie based on the Marvel superheroes through the release of The Avengers this May. I've done my homework. The work you're doing here is dynamite. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to check our archives where you can find reviews of other Marvel comic movie series, such as Ghost Rider, X-Men, Howard the Duck, Man-Thing, Blade, and Captain America. You think I should? Yeah, you're great with that stuff. If we don't get impressive results today, we're going to have a really hard sell come Tuesday. Well then, let's go be impressive. You can also listen to our non-comic-based movie reviews such as Predator, Rocky, Rambo, Star Trek, Terminator, The X-Files, and many more. How little you understand, Miss Ross, and how dangerous your ignorance has become. You will also find individual movie reviews, such as Cowboys and Aliens, Inception, and Avatar. It was like a dream. About what? Rage. Power. And freedom. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. We're going to have to watch that temper of yours. You know, my mother always used to tell me getting angry doesn't help. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. You can trust me to do what I think is right, not what you think you want. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Let's go. I'll go. 
You just watch me go! Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You cannot imagine the unbearable finality of it. What can I do? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Come on, Bruce. Let's see what you got. You think you can live with it? Take it! Take it off! You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy panties, t-shirts, coffee mugs, calendars, teddy bears, and much more. You see, I can partake with the essences of all things. <laughs> Do you really believe that I am separate from you? <laughs> now Playing's Incredible Hulk retrospective series is edited by Arnie. You poor soul. I guess we've all got our crosses to carry. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. This will be the greatest performance of your life, and the last. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises, Universal Studios, or Image Entertainment. The Incredible Hulk and all of the Marvel Universe contains is the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Peace of mind is for the dead, my friend. I guarantee. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Think of all the harm they've done to you, to me, to humanity. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. I suppose I'm leaving now. Good guess. We've caused enough trouble. Call me when there is war to wage, demons to fight. Farewell. Farewell. Vashinko and Ka- Vashinko and Kasha. I almost said Vashinko and Kasha. That would be an interesting combination. <laughs> Are you playing cards? Sorry, I'm making a drink. <laughs> That's how you get- can you make me one? Yes. Really stiff. Wait, too late. I already watched the movie. Sober. <laughs> That's your mistake. This is why you keep not recommending. You don't drink when you watch this shit. <laughs> I'm trying to take notes. I'm trying to treat this like a real movie. That is my mistake. I do, too. Movie. I do, too. No, no one, yes, no one should take these uh, too seriously. Except, obviously, Bill Bates. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it, she's not in exactly elitist company. I mean, one thing if she said she went with like Bush or something. Like, oh, okay, Clinton. I'm like, well, that's a long ass list. I think Gina Gershon and that fat chick that got the stain on her dress are on that. What was her name? Monica Lewinsky. Mono. Yes. <laughs> the fat chick with the stain. That's cold shit. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's not exactly like you're, you know, 
Marilyn Monroe, Mr. President. I mean, he, he's banging at nightly. The only one he's not hitting is Hillary. Let's just keep going on about Clinton's sex life. <laughs> I would rather talk about than anything else in this damn movie. That's why I brought it up. I'm like, hey, something interesting to talk about. <laughs> this is where Kasha is. Kasha a cereal? Isn't that a cereal? It's Kashi. It's a brand. Oh, yeah, Kashi. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, what is that? Oh, yeah. Okay. I feel like that's, uh, we're, we're getting into poo territory if we're, we're going to make a cereal joke. No, I was, I was literally asking. I'm like, where have I heard Kashi before? Well, there it is. It's a cereal. Kashi. All right. I guess it's like Sasha. It's like a, it's just a generic Russian name. Yeah! Or, or, yeah. it's, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to sneeze. <laughs> but let's get to the main fight here. Bru- Bruce. <laughs> Actually, one of the episodes I've reviewed for the Gazette is called Free Fall, where David Banner... Did they play the song... Free they, fall. <laughs> no, they don't. This came out a long time before that. But. Yeah! 